Musicforlunch.com said her music leaves you exhausted, but leaves a fire burning in your soul that wasn't there before. Now Magazine, a tornado of a stage presence. When I saw her earlier this year, headlining the Horseshoe Tavern, she blew the roof off of the historic venue. I am thrilled to welcome to the show, Sate. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I yeah. really, really appreciate it. It feels like forever since you did that show, and I go, oh, it's just this it, year. It, it, yeah, it, just it was just this year, but it was forever. Yeah. So I long mean, ago. I have yeah. to say hats off to you for that show. That was... I didn't know what to go in expecting, <laughs> and, and, and I know there's some tweets about it, but... It really did remind me of the first time, and I had no idea who this band was. I was told it was a stupid rip, Jimi Hendrix ripoff cover band, according right. to the article in the newspaper. And then to sit, thankfully, front row to see Living Color open up for oh, Robert Palmer. As stupid Jimi yep, Hendrix. That's, that's what that's what the person said. Who about them. wrote that? It was. Um, Please I, I tell to, me this person's <laughs> name. Yeah, and I will find them. Yes, I know. And so, so we were actually sitting in the in the, the oh, lounge. Oh, hold on! I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, oh. Yep. Yeah. Living Color was one of the bands. Like, I mean, other than Jimi Hendrix yeah. and Funkadelic, and you know, like all the the greats. But Living Color and Fishbone were yep. the two bands when when I was like. This is music that really speaks to me. Soundgarden and Beatles and, you know, like Black Sabbath, all of them spoke to me, but they didn't represent me. They didn't look mm, like me. So right. to see Living Color and to see Fishbone, I was like, yeah, so fuck whoever said that. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I mean, we were honestly, we were sitting in the back in the lounge having a drink. And Jeff, who was one of my bandmate at the time, mm -hmm. we were with our girlfriends having a glass of wine or beer, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, we hear the sound coming from inside the hall. We're just Are you like, fucking kidding me? What Corey Glover? What the hell is that? We go running to our seats, and our minds were like, like, I got goosebumps. Uh, my life changed that day. From and you traveled to see them too. I have traveled a few times you, you, since, but yeah, you really, really love that band. Oh and you opened for them. Yes, like that. Really? Yeah, goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps I, yeah, I did. Tell me about that. Um, I mean, this? I it, it was. Um, oh God, it was at Opera House. Okay. Um, it was maybe six years ago. A dream. Oh, oh my yes. God. Not so long ago. Oh my God, a dream. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also at Afropunk yeah. three years ago, three years. So it might've been longer than six years. No, not in six years. But three years ago, there was a super jam at Afropunk with Bad Brains, Fishbone, and Living Color. Wow. And, and I was playing Afropunk, and I have a relationship with Fishbone more than I do with, with Living Color. But um, actually, I, I was talking to Vernon Reed about producing Red, Black, and Blue, actually. Seriously? I, yeah. Wow. And, and sat down with him, and I mean, it, it's hard not to be like, Oh my God, <laughs> Vernon Reed! He knows my name. <laughs> um, genius, fucking oh! But he really, he really gave me stuff to work with for the process of making that album. Just didn't end up happening with him. Um, yeah, I walked into the hotel in Brooklyn 
when I was doing Afropunk, mm-hmm. and Angelo Moore was there, and I had just opened up for Fishbone, and I had, like, through my sister, my sister had dated one of the guys in Fishbone, and another friend of mine had dated another guy in Fishbone, so I was kind of around, <laughs> and but I was, like, a kid, and uh, I was just reminding him of that when he was in Toronto when I opened up for him, so instantly he was like, oh, shit, your family, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so when I walked into that Brooklyn hotel, he was like, Saint! Okay, so, we're doing this thing, I want you on stage. And I was like, uh, yeah. So I was on stage with Corey Glover and, you know, Angelo and and, uh, George Clinton came on too. Oh, wow. So it was was pretty fucking heavy. That's that's epic. That's pretty fucking heavy. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned that you know you mentioned bands like like Soundgarden, mm-hmm. you were into them, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. but there was something about Living Color because they quote they looked yeah like you and representation matters. Yeah. Okay, so so a couple of things I, I mm-hmm. want to ask you why why for you does it matter to you? Mm. And, and number two, I, I I recall reading yesterday that people had a hard time putting together that you were a black woman and you were in punk music or punk rock music so talk to me about both of those so being accepted as, as a punk rocker and, and why representation matters for you um, I think representation matters uh, because it determines our confidence um, it determines how, how we feel about ourselves you know I, I'm uh, for example I love magazines I love, love, love magazines. But um, when I look at magazines, it's starting to marginally get better. Mm -hmm. But when I look at magazines, there's maybe two or three that have brown faces on them. Four. Oprah, Ebony, Essence, and... uh, Oprah, (laughs) Ebony, Essence. That is a a constant. Mm. Um, and, and those exist because it wasn't a common thing to see a black face on a magazine cover. Mm-hmm. Um, when you grow up as a brown person, as a person of color, and you don't see yourself, mm-hmm. you don't think you exist. You don't think that you can do the things that everyone else can do. Because we have blood, we have a heart, we shit, we eat, we fuck, we do the same things that everyone else does. But when we don't see each other doing those things, mm-hmm. we think we're anomalies, and we're not. Mm. So that's why representation matters. You you grew up with uh, I don't know is it fair to say in your mom's shadow is that is that fair to say I mean I Order I, of Canada uh, yeah I yeah. mean she's fucking great yeah she's well, yeah. she's great Salome Bay I, I yeah. want to make sure we say her name yes yes um, and your uncle Andy and my uncle Andy and my aunt Jerry yeah. and my sister and my cousin um, Aisha and Darius who are Aunt Jerry's kids and my cousin Ronnie and my cousin Denise like 
And like, like, and, 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 like, I come from a family full of performers. Yeah. What yeah, was that like growing is. up? Like, that's one thing I wanted to get into was with your mom and your uncle and being around that scene and just like, and what's an inspiration for you as you're growing up? You know, growing up, my mom is mom, no matter what the fuck she does, she's mom. How is she, by the way? How is she doing? Um, she's hanging in. Okay. She's got dementia. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. It's, um, yeah. It's yeah. A, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But. Um, so, I mean, like, when, when discipline had to happen, it wasn't... You know, she didn't. She didn't not because she was Salome Day. <laughs> you know, like, I'm she's famous, still mom. I mean, she's mom. You know, um, but she did encourage my creativity. She mm-hmm. did encourage like whenever I, whenever when I said that I wanted to go to a school like Fame, she found the school like Fame, and mm-hmm. I went to that school. Yeah. You know, um, she put me on stage when I was really young. Uh, she was very, very encouraging of my uh, fashion, creative expression, all creative expressions. Um, yeah, she was really encouraging in that sense. So it was just, you know, music all the time. We had a ton of records. But it wasn't only my mom. It was my mm. dad, too, because... Okay. He he owned his. Um, I would say the biggest thing that maybe you might know is he owned a restaurant called the Underground Railroad. Okay. And it was one of the only soul food restaurants in in Canada at the time. Maybe um, definitely in Ontario. Maybe not in Ontario because there are a lot of black settlements in in Ontario. But it was definitely. Where, where was this though? Very close to Pacific Junction. No way. Yeah, it was at King and Sherburn. Yeah. You remember the place? I know of. I mean, okay. yeah. It was um, infamous. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody who went, th- everybody went there because there was no soul food in Toronto. Mm. Uh, it started at Bloor and Sherburn, and then it moved down to King and Sherburn. Um, then it moved to I think Front and Jarvis. But by that time, my dad was not a part of it. Um, it was an experience to walk into that space. It, um, they created an alternate universe in which people, the, the servers and the maitre d' and everyone were dressed in porter outfits. Hmm. Um, there were, there was barn, uh, interior, um, there was exposed brick, there were wagon wheels, there was... Um, the the placemats on the table had information about Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass and and Harriet Tubman talking specifically about the Underground Railroad. So yeah. food was soul food, and there was storytelling there. There was you know the, it was it was an experience. You were wow. going there for an experience, conversation. You know Rod Stewart was there. Mick Jagger was there. Bill Cosby, O.J. Simpson, Joe Jackson, all the like everybody who came through looking for soul food, mm-hmm. that was where to go. Pierre wow. Trudeau would go there, you know, like people, people were there. Brian Mulroney, like everyone, everyone, yeah, everyone, politicians, actors, 
entertainers, athletes, um, two of the owners were athletes, were American athletes. So that was part of it. My um, One of the other owners was like my dad's best friend, so he's like my uncle, and his name is Archie Aline, and he was like a renowned jazz player. He played with Billie Holiday when wow. she came here because he was the only black drummer to find here in representation matters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, before then, my dad was always in music and food. He wasn't a musician, but mm-hmm. he always bridged that yeah. gap there. So he, before then, had a club up at uh, on Asquith, right across the street from the, the public library, the reference library, mm-hmm. called the First Floor Club, and it was an after-hours club. And Muddy Waters played there, you know, like Ian and Sylvia before they were Ian and Sylvia. So during the Yorkville kind of that. So it's not just my mom. Mm -hmm. That's that's you're surrounded by surrounded constantly. That's 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 a very very interesting upbringing. That, that, that you very that you colorful must, yeah <laughs> very colorful like two types of you you got you get your school education and then you yeah. get your education on weekends and yeah in oh, the yeah. evenings constantly constantly how, how did this how did this influence who you are today like I can see the music part yeah right being exposed mm-hmm. to all you know music all over the place yeah um, but how did it influ- like how did it influence you as a person um it it um, I think it made me very curious and open mm-hmm. and um, yeah uh, explorative mm-hmm. yeah curious yeah that's really really cool was there pressure like did you feel pressure that to become yeah that <laughs> oh my goodness like everyone who's anyone is popping in and out of these places mm. and mm-hmm. mom is singing all over the place mm-hmm. and she's on TV mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you feel pressure that you needed to step up absolutely yeah absolutely mm-hmm. was that a good pressure like did you did you thrive to want to be someone or was it mom or dad or people around you saying hey look who's around you you better do something um, you know, my mom put me on stage really young. Yeah? I, I was... She dragged you on stage or she invite you on stage? <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I was... Uh, Probably a bit I of was both, right? young. Yeah. I was young. And, you know, you're young and you want to, like, I want to be on stage and be with mom and, you yeah. know. Uh, so, I was on stage at Massey Hall when I was six. Wow. Singing a solo. You know, my mom had me singing. Um, but I was also dancing, too. So there mm. was, like, that split kind of thing. I was, wanted to dance, but I wanted to sing, but I wanted to... T- so, I mean, whatever. I did I did everything. Mm-hmm. But pressure to... It, it was kind of a given, you know? We might as well have had our last name Singer. Yeah. You know, like like... So when you were in like sort of high school age and going into the performing arts schools yeah. from there, uh, like was that was that something you really wanted to do at that time, or did you still feel it was part of what you were supposed to do? So when I was in high school, at, um, I was I went to Claude Watson or Earl Haig Claude Watson, and I was actually a dance major. So I didn't. The only music that I took was um, orchestra. 
and I played tuba. Mm-hmm. And when can you still play tuba? I still that would be have, so cool. You still have you know, one. I have one. <laughs> I haven't played it in a very long time. And bring that I mean, on stage. Was so. I used to have a tuba in my band actually. At oh, one yeah, point in so time, is. yeah. Um, yeah, I and then I mean, word got around that you know. She's Salome Bay's daughter. She probably sings, and they asked me, so I would sing mm-hmm. at like assemblies and special kind of things. Yeah. But I wasn't singing in the choir or anything, or you know, jazz choir. Or what whatever. kind of dance were you doing? Modern ballet. Okay. Um, everything. Yeah. Everything. Um, yeah, that was mostly modern ballet, a little step and hip hop and. Um, I got into West African dance after high school, um, and tap I was into for mm-hmm. a bit, and yeah. But I mean, I love I love m- moving. Music for me doesn't doesn't resonate with me if it doesn't move me. Hmm. Like it it ha- like sure. literally has to move me. And, and I have to say that I. I I don't know if I can speak on behalf of both of our wives, but when you hit the <laughs> oh, stage, were your, both of your wives. Oh yeah, there we too? were there with yes. our wives. But when you hit the stage mm-hmm. and the way you just took control and moved, yeah, the, the two of them were just like because again we didn't, with all due didn't respect, know. we didn't know what we were getting into <laughs> yeah. to that scale. Yeah. And it, I mean, to be honest, we came for the first act, right? Like right. we're friends well, with, we, with Audrey, sure. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're friends with. I mean, yeah. Audrey was my brother's bandmate back yeah, in the yeah, day, yeah. and so that's why we're there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But as soon as you like, it was just the, the, the two. Our two wives were just like they, they were. They, they were like they were like holy fuck, and they just they couldn't stop watching. And taking in what you were doing. And my stage. wife is more into like Madonna and Lionel Richie. And I love, I love Madonna <laughs> and Lionel Richie. But you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and for her to go, that was awesome. I go, really? You? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know? I, um, thank you. You know what? Most times when, uh, there are a lot of people that see me for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, I didn't know what to expect Mm -hmm. I I get that a lot yeah I get that Mm -hmm. a lot you know when did cool (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) when did you crazy good (laughs) actually you know what I want to take a detour you you did bodybuilding oh I love bodybuilding okay okay I do okay I I I lift weights yes I do okay yes I do you you didn't do it were you doing I wish yeah that's a dream of mine really One, one day yeah one day I'll just like go like left of it won't be left of center. I'll just, like, come ripped. Like, oh yeah. When did you start focusing on singing? Um. So okay, I'll go back to the pressures of my mom. Yeah. Um. For a while, you know, I was proud of my mom, of course, sure. and it's and it's a little bit of a bragging, right? You know, get on the the school ground, and you're like, my mom's Slomi Bay. Who's yeah. yours? You know, <laughs> like, well, my mom. And when I went, and then and then it, as I got older, it was kind of like people would know and they would expect me to be like her. Mm. 
or do. So same style, same style, everything. And that's when I started to really feel the pressure. So I stopped telling people who my mother was. Okay. I literally like, yes, this is so that I could create my own, figure out my own, like flying the coop. I needed to get out on my own and fuck up and fall down and get up and, you know, figure it all out. Um, and then when I started to figure it out, that's when that's when I started to kind of go, yes, this is my this is my mom, this mm-hmm. is my mom. Um, so, shit, now I forgot what your question was. What was your getting question? into singing? <laughs> I mean, what like professional? Like going from going from dancing and focusing on that 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 was going to be your your thing to. So I after high school I did showboat. Okay. I was in the production. Oh, wow. I was here. Here yeah. in Toronto, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was dancing and singing in that. But then after the show, I'd run downtown because it was up in North York. It was up in North York, yeah. Um, I'd run downtown to sing in the band that I was in. So I was focused on singing okay. a lot. Um, that band was called Black Sam. And my sister... Myself, um, another vocalist named Shannon Miracle. Uh, we were the three lead vocals, but then there were four guys in the band. Um, Washington Savage, and he's he's passed, so rest in peace. Um, Adrian X, who played guitar. Uh, JK played bass, and Seiku played drums. Um, Washington played keys and he was like our musical director and our ranger and so we we were kind of like on Vogue meets uh, I don't know Living Color <laughs> really? like yeah oh, it I was, was going to ask you your sound okay right. it was very it was it was black music so it was blues it was jazz it was rock it was mm. funk it was punk it was it was black music yeah um so we we yeah we just stretched boundaries um and there's still like what we were doing there's still nothing like it there's mm-hmm. no there's no buddy doing what we were doing we were pretty um especially in toronto it was like danko jones was around and um what was that fucking I, I don't think he's an asshole now because I, I know his <laughs> I know his wife I like his wife um, but I think it was a whole persona and I was like fuck he's such a fucking asshole Robin Black and the intergalactic yeah, rocks yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like you're such a fucking asshole but I realized that it was like this thing stage yeah. friend yeah <laughs> and I secretly kind of wanted to be him too so. <laughs> you've yeah. taken my and I, like, mm, <laughs> I want to be you what was he like on stage? Uh, what, kind of, uh, what kind of a presence, presence did he have? It was like glam rock, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, like 90s was, Toronto was totally different. Mm-hmm. Toronto was totally different. In what way? There was a lot more clubs. Yep. To play in, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot yeah. more clubs to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think you might have actually gotten paid to play. 
you know, a little mm. taken care of. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd had a club. The Bamboo was around. Um, Reverb, Big Bop was around. Um, like, yeah. Sibony, yeah. Yeah. Spadina Hotel. Yeah, like, there's tons, yeah. There, yeah. So, and that's not even from my parents' era because it was all Young Street when they were around, and it wasn't Queen Street at all, but mm-hmm. Queen Street is not what it used to be. Yeah. What is that? What is it? What has that the disappearance of these local clubs meant to performers like yourself? Well, I mean, it's a new era, so everything is online. Mm. It's a it's totally different. It's totally different. You know, you have to have numbers in order to get people out to see you. That's kind of why I love Europe, okay. because they see that there's music happening and they'll just go. Mm. That's Different that's culture. the culture. That's the culture. They'll just go and discover something. Huh. Yeah. It's mm. interesting you say that because there was a there was a discussion happening with Greg Godovitz and, and Bernie Large on Facebook just a couple mm. days ago, mm-hmm. and it was an interview that Greg did with um, with City. And mm-hmm. He was talking about back, I and mean, he was more of the seventies, seventies, eighties timeline. Which is, um, and he, you know, he was talking about like all these venues are disappearing, and yeah. one of the conversations that happened, or sub conversation, I guess, sub thread, it was interesting. Was um, back then, and I even think, well, not even think, it's true to the late eighties, early nineties. Was you either you either listen to a, a shitty feed on your radio station, mm-hmm. um, or you know before CDs you, you were listening to a turntable that was scratchy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you went out and saw a show if you really want to see the band yeah. where today we have so many vehicles that bring us the music yeah that, it's and so it much sucks because I go see so many shows I love seeing shows live yeah. but just so many people are just consuming it at home and not getting out to the venues and I think yeah. that's having a large impact or at least that was a discussion that we were having was that's a huge impact on the number of clubs well I think yeah that that and the fact that the people that are going out to see music, they're going out to bigger venues for the bigger acts mm. yep. that have the machine they're and the money. They're going to the ACC to see yeah. an act that's already popular. That's already, exactly. Yeah. So they have that machine behind them. And the machine is totally different. They don't have the same money that they, they mm-hmm. had. But it's still the level, the hierarchy of like assigned act that's got 40 billion streams on on Spotify is is different than like when you go viral or people uh, like your or stream your song or or like your song that's when things start happening Mm -hmm. you it's it's a fucked up situation where like you can be the greatest performer and really talented but if your song doesn't hit and and like poke through in in the streaming world or you mm. don't have some sort of story somehow or alliance with someone you know then then you're just you've got to find your way somehow mm-hmm. you know um and you definitely won't get paid from Spotify if you've got like yep do you feel 5, pressure 000. to write for um, the algorithm? So, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know. I want to survive. Sure. Yeah. 
But I also, like, my... I can't get on stage and do something that doesn't resonate with me, that doesn't move me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah. No matter what. You know? Like... I think there's there's millions of people in this world and there's places to go for people to consume other than being like the most popular and and how do people become that popular like I I just I hear some really fucked up shit from people that are in those those groups mm-hmm. and I'm like do I really want it do I really want that mm-hmm. you know I want to travel the world, and yeah. I do travel the world. I want to continue traveling the world and and play for lots of fucking people. But, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a conversation that I have with self. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's the answer that comes back to you? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm a Libra, so it changes. <laughs> Goes this way and that way. <laughs> so, how, do, yeah. how does um, I know spirituality is very important to you? How does mm-hmm. that impact? You talked about the Bieber Hugh this mm-hmm. way, like, 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 how does that all impact the music, your life? Oh, like, God, um, and maybe that's too big well, of a question to ask, but no, no, actually, the this this album that I've written it's called The Fool, and I, I've I mean, even even the last album, Red, Black, and Blue. Uh, it was a sort of catharsis. Um, actually, red, black, and blue is definitely a catharsis. It was I was really dealing with um, strong emotions around my sister, my mother, and my daughter, um, and just how to be a mother, daughter, and a sister, and still be me, and and just like balance all that stuff out there was a lot of turmoil going on and depression and anxiety and just like just trying to find myself uh so I had to write that out um and I'm glad I did because it really helped me realize and release certain things that were just like adhering to my spirit um so the fool is I, I've always been into tarot and numerology and astrology and all the occult and uh, witchcraft and, and you know um, that stuff. So the fool is the fool's journey of the tarot, um, my own fool's journey because I believe that we are all fools on our own journey. So, that's how I think I think spirituality and that always um, affects my music and comes into play with because that's who I am and mm-hmm. I'm the brand and I'm the you know like I'm the the voice so um, that's I always write from the place of who I am and what affects me um, maybe it's selfish <laughs> No. Or self full. Yeah, sure. And, and that's, <laughs> I guess that dovetails into a question I had as well, is, which is <clears throat> becoming sate. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Was that around some, like, sort of where did that, how, how did you get through the journey that. to that to become mm-hmm. that? Mm hmm. Um, so, my first 
my first first album my first solo album is uh under the the name that i was given at birth mm-hmm. uh saida baba taliba and um there were a number of things that happened like i learned a lot it was you know my first baby so it was precious and like you know do it right and wait and have to be the right songs and perfect and every and yes all of that but it didn't have to be so precious um i'm learning but uh, you you get you get better at it as you do it more um I realized that there there are a lot of influences um, in me from listening to music, from being with my mom, from singing on stage with my mom, being in musical theater, being you know singing backgrounds for R and B and hip hop acts and soul acts, loving jazz and blues and singing that, and then but also gravitating towards rock and roll, and so all of that was on the first album. And people were like, we don't know where to put you. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> put me on fucking stage. Like, how about that? You know? Um, and also, there were a lot of ignorant people who had issue with my name. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was around... I mean, there's still Islamophobia, so there were a lot of people that had issue with my name, Mm -hmm. and and fuck them, you know. Mm -hmm. I also, when I got on stage, my I gravitated towards heavier, louder, grittier stuff. I, I I'm. Not a soul singer. I'm not an R&B singer. That's mm-hmm. not what I do. That's not what I want to do. That's not how I express. So people would hear the album, mm-hmm. and then they'd see me live, and they'd go, "That's a rock and roll show. That's not what the album is." You know. Yeah. So that was my evolution. Okay. I started to evolve, and and it started to really evolve away from who I thought I, I started to evolve into something new um, a butterfly that's <laughs> that's Sate Sate the butterfly the panther the, that's awesome. yes yeah do you feel you were running away or you were running towards something when you, when you did it because you, you talked about how your name would make people maybe look at you differently mm-hmm. um, so did you feel that you were doing that to appease absolutely people? not no okay mm-mm because I'm still me mm-hmm. um, and still there's there's still racism and sexism mm-hmm. in the industry and mm-hmm. in the world so like and I'm still black and I'm still a woman <laughs> you know like no matter what name no matter what name uh, but the name really um, it really spoke to me and I remember the first time someone called me by that name and I answered and I was yeah. like, oh, that's my name. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. On your website, there's that definition, right? Satisfy a desire to the full. Yeah. Um, what does it mean? In, like, what does it mean? What's that, what's that feeling that it gives to you? Uh, euphoria. 
Um, I, um, when I walk on stage or when I'm about to walk on stage or mm-hmm. thinking about it, it's the, the intention for me is to be even more free and more open than I was before. So I think that's satisfaction and fullness for mm. me, like just, just more, more surrender. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Your first album. Yeah. You made using pl- is it pledge music? Yeah. Pledge music. And yeah, you got your... I don't know what's going on with them now, but. Really? But you did a lot of like you did a lot of um, <laughs> you know you you worked with your fans mm-hmm. right you, mm-hmm. you 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 had them sort of pick the singles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and help to create this this work of art. Tell me about. Tell me about your the reasoning behind that and the experience of of, of creating an album that way. Um, my the reason I did that that way is because I had so I did three EPs: mm-hmm. one red, one black, one blue, um, and they were all songs that I loved. So I was like, it would be great to interact with the people that are consuming the music mm-hmm. and ask them which songs they'd like to hear on the album. So I polled it and uh, the top 10 songs, there were 18 songs that were recorded and 10 songs that ended up on the album. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I haven't released the other, well, I guess 11 songs are released because on on iTunes you can get a bonus track. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I and yeah, that was my reasoning behind it. It's like I mean, I'm I do it for me, but I also do it for the people that are listening. So, mm-hmm. if you're if you're part of this, why not choose the ones that you like and and we can go from there. You do interact with people on social. I know. Yeah. We, yes. We tweeted back and forth a bit after the first show. Which yes. I remember thinking you were from out of town. And you're yes. Like, no, I'm from Toronto. And we talked like, about Biff oh, naked I that. and. I don't know that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> like, how do you feel the? How do you feel about interacting on social? And do you? I love yeah. and hate it. Okay. Um. It. It's. No, I shouldn't say I hate it. My mother always told me hate is a strong word. Dislike. <coughs> I love and dislike it. And um, and that's because I think sometimes it's like the fact that we carry cell phones and people can reach us all the time. You know, you can call. Like, sometimes I, I step outside of myself and watch people around and I'm like, everybody has a cell phone. Everyone's reaching. Everyone's facing is it? Yeah. Like, everyone is, like... It, it it's crazy so y- there's that pressure also that because you are so accessible that when you get a tweet or someone likes on your Instagram or someone like texts you or mm-hmm. you know that you have to answer right away you know mm-hmm. um, and if you don't it's a missed opportunity or 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 someone's gonna think you're an asshole or you know it so it's it's a it's a fun, like it's a it's a balance between like being there 
and like being human like sometimes I just want to be by myself I don't even want to be around my family <laughs> like much less and it is an energetic like yes I'm on my phone and I don't know you but that is an energetic exchange mm-hmm. just like we're having an energetic exchange mm-hmm. you know so it's like when you when I'm on stage and I'm putting out all that energy and then I'm getting all that energy back it's the same as when I put up a post and like 500 people like it and 100 people make comments and I'm like okay I love you too thank you thank you thank you you know like, and you want to you're like oh you know yeah and I want to yeah, yeah. but sometimes I just it don't be tiring though it is yeah. and then I want to make music yeah. and then I want to like Go out and be with my friends, yeah. and then I wanna, you know, chill like, and have a pizza. Yeah, like it, it's a, it's a lot. And this so world you, is a lot. When you say that you're on stage, you give out and it comes back. I'd love to get your view on mm. cell phones, like people recording, because I've got musician buzz that hate, hate people having cell phones, and we now have concerts where you have to put it in the bag, and you mm. know what I mean, and you're not mm-hmm. allowed to have your mm-hmm. phone at the show. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I mean. Hmm. I I think it's unfortunate that um, there are people that haven't experienced concerts without cell phones mm-hmm. um, to have that balance because uh, I just went and saw Rainwolf. I don't know if you know who Rain. Okay, you both need to you all yeah, okay. all need to know about Rainwolf. I love him. Cool. Uh, he was at Drake Underground and there were there were a lot of people there and I won't say that everyone had their cell phone out but I definitely did not have my cell phone out and and I was very aware of that because I really wanted to take it in I just wanted to I wanted to be present and and then maybe take take evidence of the fact that I was there. Yeah. I was there, you yeah. know. Um and and also help the artists like sure. spread the so it's like all of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's great to have cell phones um at concerts because it spreads the word Extends for the reach. Yeah, yeah. Like when when I and then I saw Jack White at um Budweiser, Budweiser. Yeah, I went to that show as well. Yeah, it was great, and it was really cool to not have the cell phone because you really had to take it in. You really had to be there. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, he has his in-house photographer that you can just like scoop the the photos of his page and be like, "I was there. I was there." (laughs) And not that he needs. And not that he needs people taking photos to to pump his name. Yeah. Yeah. And they're great photos, so yeah. so you're not like left with a double chin and whatever. <laughs> the lighting wasn't good, like, you know, like <laughs> angles or whatever, like uh, you know, which which whatever. It's it's real. It's mm-hmm. human. Um, so I'm again a, a lover, and a, like yeah. I think I think it's just depending on the person, but I think it is cool to be conscious of being in a space where there's art happening mm-hmm. and just like be there 
be there. I, how I, when I you're on stage, like, yeah. How, like how do you, how how does that feel to you when you when you've got screens in front of people's faces? Like yeah. th- like how how do you how do you get that energy or what does it do to you? Um I don't really focus on the screens. I think I think I I have to separate like mm-hmm. my if I if I hold any disdain disdain towards it which I which I don't really um, I know that people are like excited oh my god okay I like this and I, I think that's that's sure. what I what I feel yeah I like this you know yeah um, but it's not off-putting to you as a performer when you're on stage and you see that no okay. I'll right. get up in the camera if I yeah. want to <laughs> you know like and 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 that's what I've seen. Like for some other performers, it is still interactive. Like yeah. when you see that happen, you can see people like hone in on. Someone's got their, they're watching and they're they're taping, and then the artist comes like right to you, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> you know, like I know I would like. Oh my God! You saw me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, and only I got that. Yeah. So, yeah. That is cool. Uh, you, you talked about your 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 latest album, The Fool. Is it is it out yet? It is not. It's not yet. So tell me what's mm-hmm. happening with what's happening with that album. You've already released the first single. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dirty, Dirty Little, Little Lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's happening with it? I'm I'm going to shoot another video for another yeah. single. Which song? Um, Which song? The World. Did you play that? that yes, hour? I did. Which one was that one? It was probably one of the last yeah. ones. Um, yeah. It was interesting last night going through, you know, just researching you and and, and hearing some of your tunes. I go, oh, I loved that song that you, oh, yeah. that you performed on stage. <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, it's still in my head. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Yeah. There's wicked. some really, really cool stuff. We can expect it soon. <laughs> No yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to it a mm-hmm. little. Uh, Why? Because I think, uh, well, I would like a machine of some sort mm, okay. to help me gotcha. put this album out. Gotcha. Fair. And it doesn't have to. It, it doesn't have to be the big machine, mm-hmm. um, because if it's the big machine, it has to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for. I'm all for independent. Mm-hmm. I'm all for the team, and and that's part of. A, that's a machine as well. Just having the right, the mm-hmm. key players, you know. So that's really what I want. I want a machine. As opposed to myself and my manager, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yep. it is right yep. now. So it's it's That's fair. yeah, yeah, um, and I think I'm gonna write a couple more songs. I'm, That's I'm where feeling... I was going. That's what I was wondering. That's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg yeah. wants to play the guitar on your. Yeah. Oh wow! I, I retired the guitar. <laughs> I retired the guitar a long time. Did you retire? Ago. No, I just didn't know if, like, if you still felt there was more to add to the album. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was with that. yeah. I feel there is. Yeah. I feel there is. Mm-hmm. I've 
gum itch. Yeah. A gum itch. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the drawing board, um, and and work on some stuff. Yeah. To add. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you this for having lovely. me. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I'm just fanning out. <laughs> <laughs> out here. I got goosebumps. It's just like, yeah. Oh, thank awesome. you.